just wanted to start off by saying if you are a parent and you wanted to teach your kid to be heaps mature and heaps respectful and uh, just heaps loving and sharing and carrying out sort of stuff, that would be hard work, all right? It's what most parents try and do, and it involves disciplining their kid. It means saying no sometimes. It means telling them what they don't want to hear, um, being like helping the kid be self-controlled and not always giving their child what their child wants. Um, it means a lot of arguing when the kid argues back. It's a hard road to take. If you're a parent and you wanted to teach your kid how to be selfish and greedy and a brat and to be rude and to just think, um, like teach your kid that they can do whatever they want, it's probably going to be a lot easier because to teach your kid that they can do whatever they want means just letting them do whatever they want and it means agreeing with them with everything so you give them whatever they want and you never punish them and it's actually a lot easier. Now, why is it so much easier to teach a child to be selfish and do whatever they want? Why is it easier to teach them to do that than to teach them to be loving and caring and mature? Because the thing that they're being taught is appealing to a desire they already have. That selfish desire they have to want to serve themselves is already inside them. They want to do their own thing. And so when they've got a parent that goes, yeah, no worries, you can do that. And yeah, no worries, you're not in trouble for smashing that window. And yeah, no worries, that is cool if you do whatever you want. They're like, yes, cool, I'm on board with this. I like this. Because it's clicking with something that they already want to hear. And so it's easier for them to learn it. Now, guys, that's the same with false teachers, okay? We heard about false teachers last week. Hazy was talking about people that um, teach stuff about God, stuff about Jesus that's false. Um, they even come in the name of Christians, and they can be teaching things that are not true. Um, and it's the same thing there. False teachers corrupt people because people are corruptible. Um, the problem isn't just around us that there are false teachers. The problem is that they're actually appealing to sinful desires in ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, we need to be aware of false teachers around us. And yeah, it's good to say, oh, I'm going to keep an eye out for that sort of stuff. But don't forget that the reason this stuff happens is because we're sinners too. And so the reason that this stuff can happen is because they're appealing to some selfish desire that's already in us, just like that whole parent-kid thing. And so, first point I want to make from this passage, being six is not that good, um, first point I want to make from this passage is that false teachers can make false promises. Okay, False teachers can make false promises. That promises that are often empty and don't actually offer what they claim to offer. Okay, Have a look at verse 17. It says, These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. All right? You get a, a spring without water, that's something that's all talk and no work, all right? It's making a claim to you, yet you can get refreshment here, and you go, sick, a spring, because they don't have taps here, and so you go to the spring, but there's no water, all right? Empty promise, yeah? False promise. They're a spring without water. They, they say they're offering something, but there's nothing in it. Have a look at verse 19 for an example of that, for an example of a false promise. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. So they're promising freedom because, hey, freedom is something that sounds good, yeah. So they're appealing to something that's already inside us. But they, they promise a false freedom because it says they're still slaves to depravity, which, by the way, depravity is just like sin, all right? Um, wrongdoing, all that sort of stuff. And so they're saying, you don't need to worry about this stuff. It's all about you. It doesn't have to be about God, 
All right, he can, God is there to like, blah, blah, blah. He can, like, all these different things that like sound good to us. Okay, often you'll hear different things. I mean, there isn't just one false teaching. There's a variety, okay? But an example of that would be this idea that God is there out for us, like a genie in the sky, and that he will just be out there for you. And so we hear that and we go, yeah, that sounds cool. But that means we can do whatever we want, right? So, like, I don't actually have to consider God in anything, and life is just about me. And they, don't, they think that they've got freedom because it doesn't matter, but they don't realize that actually they're just slaves to sin all over again. They're not free. They're slaves to their own selfish desires, which are the things that condemn them, the things that they needed Jesus to die for them. Okay? Um, so there's a promise of freedom, but they're still slaves to depravity. It's kind of like um, false promises. I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're at like recess or whatever, or you're at a party um, with chips. I don't know if there's like a photo for it, because there should be. Yeah. Um, if you've ever had that experience and you're like, oh, chips, I'm heaps hungry, and look at this packet. That's definitely a quality amount, yeah? And then you open it up and you're like, what the heck? That was not what that packet promised me. Packet was yay high, chips was this high, and then it was like 50% air. It should say chips with bonus air or something because like that was not clearly just a packet of chips. There was this air in there as well. Um, and so that's like, it's always pretty disappointing. If you had a packet like this size to begin with and it was that full of chips, you'd be like, all right, well, this is what I signed on for. I can't complain. Like, it can't fit more than, like, bigger than the packet. It doesn't make any sense. But if you've got a big packet and it's only half full, you get disappointed because there was a, a promise there that didn't deliver. And that's what these guys are doing. There'll be promises like a spring with no water. They all appeal to selfish desires inside us and we'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact is that's not what the truth is. And so their promises are empty. Um, and so just like they will say, you have freedom, and they're slaves to depravity, and the truth isn't there. Okay, um, next thing I want to say um, is to, therefore, if um, these things are false promises, don't be gullible. Don't um, trust what just random people say. We've got the Bible. Hold everything up against the Bible um, and trust God. And don't trust, you know that whole saying, like, follow your heart and stuff? I'm sure it's been in, like, a song, probably a One Direction song, I'm guessing, but I feel like some sort of a song... You hear that whole, like, um, follow your heart thing? Man, clearly what happens when people follow their hearts is all the stuff that happens over the world, which just isn't good. I mean, people make bad decisions every day, including all of us, and we all do things that we want to do, and they're bad. So we all know that following our heart isn't necessarily the recipe to, yeah, if you follow your heart, that'll be perfect. Just keep doing that. But again, we all like that idea of just being able to follow our heart and do what we want. And so that teaching, that idea of you should follow your heart, appeals to that selfish desire in us. Do you get what I'm saying? The, the things we hear are, are what we want to hear, and so we take them on board, even though they aren't true. Um, and so instead of being gullible and buying into that, trust God. Titus 1 to, um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. You can check it out later, but verse 2 says, A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Um, there is a promise that we have through Christ that he is our Lord and our Saviour. He has died for our sin because we have fallen short. He didn't die just for the fun of it. There was actually a problem, which is us, that we need to admit. And we have a hope of eternal life in spite of that because he's taken that punishment in our place. And that is a hope that is true because God does not lie. He's promised it before the beginning of time and he doesn't lie. We want to trust what the Bible says. We want to measure everything we hear up against the Bible. Um, so don't be gullible. Um, yep. 
Next thing. Um, I've been saying it a bit already, but these false promises aren't just random false promises, like I promise you that I have, I don't know, I'm just making some up, Guinness Book of World Records for the biggest afro or something. So I was looking at Zach and your inspiration, you just sometimes have an afro. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, I can make a false promise like that, um, but you don't heaps care because you don't really care whether I've had an afro or not, probably. Um, but these aren't just random false promises. These are false promises, like I said before, that appeal to our sinful desires. We're sinners, yeah, all right? We don't treat God right. Um, and so these are promises that appeal to struggles that we have, that will be things that we want to hear, that are empty promises, but we want to hear them, and so we'll pursue them. Um, and so have a look at um, verse 14. If you're with me, chapter 2, uh, verse 14. says, <coughs> With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Brood just kind of means family. But the thing I wanted you to notice there was that they seduce the unstable. Okay? That means that the problem isn't just the teacher. The problem is that the people hearing it are unstable. There's a problem with them. Okay? So they seduce the unstable. The more we're grounded in the word, the more we're stable, the less we are vulnerable and susceptible to be seduced by this sort of stuff, okay? So the, the, the part of the problem is that they're appealing to our sinful desires. Um, come with me to um, verse 18. Verse 18 says, <clears throat> For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. So they um, spread these teachings by appealing um, the way it has it worded, to the lustful desires of the flesh. All right? I think that's particularly sexual stuff, but it's all sorts of stuff. All right? Sinful desires, they're appealing to. Okay? Um, they, what stuff we want to hear, lustful desires um, that are worldly desires, stuff that we want to seek after, um, which can be many different things. And so they're not telling us something that we hate. The reason people buy into it is because it's appealing to our own sin, which means... <coughs> um, Actually, there's an example. Like, if you think advertisements, right? The way advertisements work is on the basic principle that they go, people want to hear something. And so, if like I, if I want them to buy this product, I've got to make it something that they want. I'm not going to go, hey, do you want this product that just makes you heaps ugly? You go, no one's going to buy that. But if you get something and you find a way to spin it, and you go, oh, this heaps good, people want to get it. That's how ads work. Um, there's an example I've got at the moment, which is like, if you think about it before it plays. Oh, here it is. That's good. All right, before I put, uh, no. Master of my destiny. Ruler of my fate. The gold I use is mine, not God. I shall live within my means. In vain desire raises its head, I shall cut it off. Not with a sword of steel, but with a will of iron. I can give you. Um, so if you weren't sure what that ad was for, which is understandable, um, 
it was basically saying, don't go to credit cards where you can just buy unlimited stuff, actually just eat into your own account. Yeah? Okay, that's effectively what it was saying. It's saying, you should do this. Because they realize Australia's got a problem, everyone uses credit cards and they're overspending, we've got to change this culture, how can we do it? We can't just go, guys, can you stop exploiting the fact that our country has credit cards and getting whatever you want, please? Um, because that's not going to work. You can give them all the statistics, you can give them all the facts of how it's a problem, and they're going to go, yeah, I don't care. But if you stop appealing to the facts and you appeal to something they want to hear, I can be king? I can run the show? Those people who said they were like pressing the buttons and calling the shots, I want in on that. I'm going to start using my savings and check, you know? Because if you appeal to something that's inside them, they go, hey, I want to be king, I want to run the show, then all of a sudden you'll have a lot more track work because you're telling them what they want to hear. You're appealing to a selfish desire inside of them. You guys get what I'm saying? That's how advertisements often work. And so this is the same thing here. They might, um, the idea that, where sinners isn't necessarily something that people want to hear. The idea that, like, you know, you've got so much potential, you can be the star of the show, and God's just going to help you get there, that sounds a lot better. Just like you're, you're the king as opposed to can you stop owning so many cool things? You know, there's different spins on stuff. All right. Um, by the way, credit cards are pretty responsible, so I'm not promoting that. Um, all right. But anyway, have a look at... Um, um, yeah, so verse 18, how it talks about how they appeal to those desires. They are, like, there are instincts that we have. There are desires that we have that are sinful, that we want to pursue, that we want to chase. And so when other people are telling us that, yeah, that's what God wants as well. God wants what you want. Then we go, ah, oh, sweet, cool. If God didn't want what I want, then maybe I wouldn't go after that Christianity thing. But if he wants what I want, then that sounds more interesting. Um, and so they're more sold and that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, in short, guys, I want you to, like I, um, I was saying before, um, be aware of your sinful desires. So don't just kind of know that you're a sinner. If you're looking around and you're going, people are spreading false teachings, I've got to like work out who they are, that's helpful. And you, you measure what they say up against the Bible and that's helpful. But also look inward. Be aware of what are the things that I struggle with that I think I could possibly be led astray from. If someone was telling me what I want to hear, what could I hear that I reckon would draw me away from God? Because the more aware you are of that, the more you can protect yourself against it. That when you're hearing something that isn't what the Bible says, you go, oh, yep, that's that thing that I always struggle with. It always takes me off track. And now that I'm aware of it and I've identified it, as I hear it, I go, oh, I'm trying to make that what the, what the Bible's saying, but I know it's not because I'm already aware of that. I'm going to go back to what the Bible's saying. And you protect yourself. You stay grounded in the Word. Um, and so quite often, because we're sinners and we like to pretend we aren't, <clears throat> um, we always look outward first. And so we'll say the problem's everywhere else but us and there's just false teachers and we've just got to watch out. Um, but we've got to remember that um, we're sinners and the problem is in us and that's something we've got to be aware of as well. Um, so, uh, like, I, I worked um, into a, a church once, actually, um, and... They, someone was at the front, they were giving a testimony, and they were saying um, a lot of things that um, were nice and I'm, I'm sure were probably, possibly true, um, but were kind of out of context, and they were like missing some really key things, and it didn't really seem like it was actually a testimony about becoming a Christian. It was just other stuff that's happening in their life. So it was, in summary, the, the story they were sharing about their testimony was, 
oh, I used to be on drugs, I was drinking, I was living on the street, I had no house, um, I had no one to take me in, but, you know, then I just found Jesus, you know, and my life got on track, and I'm not in that old lifestyle anymore. Like, I know that it was wrong, and, and so now, like, my life's so much better, and I know that I have purpose, and I know that my life's together, and I have direction now, and it's so much better because I've got Jesus in my life, and I don't need that, that buzz from alcohol to make me happy because Jesus makes me happy and all that sort of stuff. And they're all things that might be true. I mean, their life and their wisdom and their maturity as a Christian would logically take you out of that lifestyle. But in their story about becoming a Christian and what that meant, sin wasn't mentioned once. The need for why Jesus died on the cross, which is, hello, the whole thing, wasn't even mentioned. And, like, why was that stuff left out? Because that isn't what people want to hear. People want to hear, oh, you mean you can make my life even better than alcohol can? Because sometimes that buzz isn't good enough. You mean you've got a better buzz? You mean that like I can have my life together and I can have purpose? Sweet, I went in on that. That sounds good. Because that's a better sales pitch than saying, actually, you've got a creator, a Lord, who you don't treat like your creator and Lord. And there's a judgment for that because your creator and Lord needs justice. And the only hope for you to be forgiven is if for someone to pay that punishment in your place, which Jesus did when he died on the cross. Because that isn't, like even though the news that, that we are forgiven, even though we don't deserve it, is the best news ever, and it is, that gospel means good news. To, to accept that good news, that awesome solution, you first got to admit that problem. And that problem isn't what people want to hear. Um, last thing I want to say, when we listen to our sinful desires, we often then don't listen to the truth. When we listen to our sinful desires, we don't listen to the truth as well. <coughs> so when people are lost in false teaching, you often can't reason with them. Just like um, if you tried to give those people who were spending their credit cards all the facts and you tried to give them all the facts, that often wouldn't work as well as if you tried to appeal to some selfish desire. Okay? If these guys um, are locked in false teaching, it's hard to reason with them. Um, you can point them to Bible verses, you can point them to reason, you can pray that, that God works in them, but often the sin in their heart hardens them to that. Have a look at verses 12 and 13. It talks about how they are irrational. So look, 12. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. Um, yeah, we can probably leave that there. So, um, they're appealing to um, desires, and because of that, they don't actually listen to the truth, because they just, they're so attached to whatever it is, that sinful thing that they, they want to pursue, whether it's living for themselves in whatever way, they're so attached to that, they don't want to leave it. And so when you come at them with facts, they go, no, they just they go, no, they can't be right because they, they can't part with that idol they have. They can't part with that part of their life. Um, you know that um, Alcoholics Anonymous thing? There's that phrase they have, the first step is admitting you've got a problem. That's The reason for that is, is because you're not going to get anywhere, you're not going to get the solution if you don't get the problem. And it's so hard in those sort of situations with people that have addictions like alcohol or gambling or drugs, to get them to that point because they're so attached to it, they don't admit, admit they've got a problem. And you can show them all the evidence around them. You can show them like the fact that they've got no money or the fact that they're so drunk all the time so their kids have to make their own dinner and the fact that you don't have a job and you've lost all this stuff. And You can show them the evidence, but they'll go, no, no, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it because they can't part with this thing that they're so attached to. Um, that's the thing. When, when someone is lost in sin, often they don't listen to the truth. Um, and so 
our hearts are corrupted, like I said. <laughs> um, and so we don't want to do that whole follow your heart thing, like we sometimes get told. We want to follow what the Bible says. Because the moment we start following our hearts and we're sinners, we have a sinful, corrupt heart, that means we often won't accept the truth and we'll shut it out. So, again, like I was saying before, I want to challenge you one more time. Be aware of your struggles, of your sin. Because the more aware you are of that, the safer you are from becoming that person that's like an animal. Peter described them as like an unreasoning animal. They just act on instinct. They just follow their impulse, their heart. They don't listen to any logic. You don't want to be like that. Be aware. What are the things that are going to trap me, are going to lead me away so that I actually shut out the truth? I want to know what they are so that as I'm confronted with them, I'll protect myself against them and keep going back to the Bible. Um, I'm going to um, pray and then we're going to split up into discussion groups. Um, but um, there'll be questions up on the screen, and so you guys can discuss those things as you pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, you didn't owe us any revelation of yourself. You didn't need to show us yourself, but you have so clearly in Jesus who walked the earth and in your word that we all have access to, Lord. Thank you so much that we can trust your perfect word, that you do not lie, that you have a promise from the beginning of time before then, uh, a hope in Christ for eternal life. Lord, and I pray that we always stay grounded in your word and turn to your word for the truth, Lord, not to our own simple hearts, not to other people, but always measuring what we hear up against the Bible, and as we get taught, we hear it from the Bible, Lord. And I, I just thank you so much for the chance we have to do that, and I pray that you would guard us and keep us on track with your word. In Jesus' name, amen.